Hello, and another episode of the Key of David podcast. My name is Charles, and I'm so glad that you decided to listen in. Pray that the next few minutes of this podcast, you hear something or that you, the Lord tells you something, that you find something in your heart that will help you, that you can gain power from, edification from. That's what we're all here for, is to edify and help each other make it home. I want to welcome my brother in the Lord, Scott. Scott, I hope you're having a great evening, and I hope you're doing well. Why don't you say hello to everyone? Hello to everyone listening out there. As Charles said, thank you for joining us once again. I'm excited, as usual, to be here, hear what the Lord has to say, and we pray that what's said, what's done here is a blessing, strength, and encouragement to you. These times are rough, for sure. It doesn't take a prophet to pronounce that. Times are rough. Times are pretty bad, but there is hope and joy in the Lord, Charles, and I thank God for that tonight. Amen. Yeah, you, you are correct. Times are rough. I've been reading over the news and listening in. Things don't seem to be getting better with everything that's going on. It just seems to be prolonging or getting worse. And uh, we're going to need all of this. We're going to need the help of one another. We're going to need these podcasts to encourage ourselves. So I'm hoping to do my part, Scott, do something that will help someone else. Be prepared to stand in the evil day. And uh, speaking of standing in the evil day, that's exactly what we're going to talk about doing tonight. Um, The Lord did caution us that as the day approaches to assemble ourselves together and with uh, COVID-19 and every other thing out there fighting, it seems like the enemy is doing his best to keep us from coming together. And, uh, I believe it's because he knows that we edify one another by our mutual faith and that if he can keep someone isolated, that he can definitely get them to a place where they won't be able to stand any longer. So that's why we've developed this podcast and why we have episodes like the one we're having tonight. Uh, Scott, before we get started into the podcast tonight and into the material, let's go ahead and mention real quick, the ways that people can get in touch with us if they need to. Uh, we do have ways that, would, that that they can reach out to us. We have a YouTube channel that if anyone is listening in, they can go and visit, which is Key of David Ministries. All they would have to do is go to YouTube.com and look up Key of David Ministries, and we are in the list. Uh, they can leave comments there. They can leave requests there they can like us they can leave feedback they can listen to previous podcasts that we have had uh scott we also have some blogs i've been including the link in those blogs in the show notes uh, of each of these podcasts recently and so if they want to read up more on what me and you represent what we have to offer then they can get one of those links and read some of those blogs Scott, we also have a email address that they can reach out to us directly if someone wants to leave us any feedback, any comments, perhaps any prayer requests that they would like for us to pray about. You've shared some prayer requests 
with me that you've got from others that uh, you're keeping in touch with through this podcast. And I've gotten several comments about this podcast regarding the uh, material and what we're speaking about, especially here lately, how strong the messages are getting. And we're going to endeavor to make sure that we keep them relevant. But if anyone would like to reach out to us, that email address is king underscore David underscore ministries at yahoo.com. And again, it's key underscore David underscore ministries at yahoo.com. So those are the ways that anyone listening can reach out to us. I keep up on top of it pretty pretty well, and you will get a timely response, whether it be a request or feedback. So definitely, if you want to reach out to us, do so. Uh, Scott, you know what I like to do at this point? Um, I'd like to go ahead and let you say something, and if you wouldn't mind, before we get into the verses and scriptures that we believe the Holy Spirit has laid on our heart, we want you to say a prayer for all of us. I sure will. I will add one other way that they can get in touch with us too. I've noticed lately, Charles, or that it might have already always been there and I didn't know it, but if they're listening to the anchor app and that's primarily where this podcast is based right now, anchor a N C H O R and it's free. It's a free download. And if they're listening through that app, I have noticed that anchor has a way that you can leave a message. It's down at the bottom when you're listening to the podcast and it's a message button and it leaves a voicemail. Now, if they want to go that far again, you know, everything will be kept discreet. We're not going to shame you. We will pray in secret, just like the Lord stated in his word, go into your closet and secretly pray and he will reward you openly. That's what we believe here. So if you'd like to do it that way, just click that button. You can leave a voice message on your phone, just like a voicemail. And we'll be sure, just like Charles said, to be on top of that and be in prayer with you. Good. That's so good information. I thought I'd add that one. So we'll, we'll go ahead and uh, pray for this podcast tonight and pray for you. Father, we thank you tonight for another wonderful opportunity to speak your name, to feel your presence, to know that you are here in the midst of these trying times. God, it's tough down here right now. It's rough. There are people that are crying out in need for various needs. But, Lord, you're not a God of wood and stone, but you are an ever-present help in time of need. You hear every voice. That's the wonderfulness of the God that I serve tonight is you can hear every voice distinctively by themselves as they call out. There is no person on the face of this earth that is too insignificant for you to hear their prayer. Father, we pray for them tonight, whatever need they may be, financial, physical, spiritual. Lord, fear, fear is rampant in this world today as we speak. We're scared to death. We're scared to death to go out in public. We're scared to death to, to even go to church. Lord, as this coronavirus would like to put fear in our hearts, but God, you are greater than any fear. And I pray tonight that you put boldness in people's hearts, that you put strength in people's hearts, 
that God, you make a way for the paycheck that's not coming anymore, that you make a way of escape through the fear. God, and I give you the praise tonight that you will anoint this word. You will anoint Charles. You will anoint me if you so desire to use me. God, and I know you are already here in the midst of this podcast. And I thank you so much. We give you praise in Jesus' name. And amen. 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 Thank you so much, Scott, for that prayer. Scott, uh, last couple of weeks we've been talking about a new series we started regarding the armor of God. Uh, it is so important these days, Scott, especially this day and age that we live in, to be ready to stand in the evil day because as we approach the return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we know by the word of God that it's going to get more evil. It's going to get more dark. The enemies and his forces are going to increase. I uh, don't want to alarm anyone, but if you read your scriptures, you're going to realize that for the Lord God to allow the end to come, he must allow the enemy more freedom and liberty. And he must allow the enemy to to overcome the saints. I know this is this is not a very popular scripture, a very popular topic, Scott. But regarding the man of sin, the Antichrist in Revelation, it says that he would be given power to overcome the saints for a season. That way that the end can come. And Scott, in order for that to happen, that means the enemy must be given more liberty and more freedom. The darkness must increase. And that's the only way that the end is going to come. And uh, so if you are looking for better days ahead, I will assure you that the only time the days are going to get better ahead in the long run is when the Lord Jesus returns and sets up his kingdom on this earth. And Scott, so in these last days, we have to learn to fight every day to stand against that enemy, to stand against that evil that's increasing, to stand. And I want his people to notice it didn't say to stand in a evil day. We're going to read that scripture here in just a minute. But it calls it the evil day. There is a specific day of evil that's approaching that God's going to allow the enemy to have. And you must be ready to stand in that evil day. Amen. Amen. I wouldn't add anything to that. That was perfect. <laughs> perfect setup. <laughs> okay. Well, now, before we get into our main text for tonight, I'm going to go back to our reference text for last week regarding the armor of God, and it's found in Ephesians chapter 6. And I'm not going to read all of the armor of God tonight. I'm just going to read the first uh, four verses of regarding the armor because tonight's objective is not going to be so much the pieces of armor yet. I believe we have one more podcast, if the Lord will, that we're going to talk about tonight before we actually get into the individual pieces of armor that are outlined in the Word of God. But if you will allow me, Scott, I'm going to read verses, Ephesians, verse, uh, Ephesians chapter 6, I'm going to read verses 10 through 13. 
And it states, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take on to you the whole armor of God that you might be able to, to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Now, there's that word I was talking about to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Scott, we talked last week about there is a new battle every day. Every day is a fight to the finish. And every day is an opportunity for you to gain ground and get closer to Jesus. But unfortunately, it's also an opportunity for the enemy to attack you, bring you down, and make your walk toward heaven, your journey toward the Lord even harder than it has to be. And uh, there was a dream that I told last week. Do you remember this, Scott? Yes, I do. I, I'd love to hear this again, though. Well, now, I got, you know, more comments last week uh, about that dream I told. And and I think that dream might have some more things for us to learn from. And And first of all, let me make sure I'm not taking credit for this dream. This dream didn't come. It wasn't a conjuration out of my mind. Charles did conjure this dream up and write it down. It was a dream that was given to me by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is the one that has given me this dream. So it came and it originated from him. So if anybody learns anything from this dream, it's to, to God that gets the glory. Yes. But I uh, for the sake of learning a little bit more about this battle that we're in and the armor that we have to learn to live in to make it home to heaven. Let me tell that dream again, Scott. Please I was do, please do. Man. I was about 14 years old, if I can remember correctly, because I got saved when I was nine. And after salvation, I began to seek for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You know, that in, intimacy with the Holy Ghost, that walking in the Spirit, which is described in the book of Romans chapter 8. And I had searched for that for a long time. And then long about the time I was 14, I got filled with the Holy Ghost. And uh, it did come with the speaking of tongues as God gave the utterance to show that I was completely filled. That is the evidence described in the Bible that happened in the book of Acts when the children of God were filled with the Holy Ghost. They began to speak with tongues. And uh, so I did get filled with the Holy Ghost and I began to speak with tongues. After I got filled with the Holy Ghost, Scott, I began to have dreams. I began to see visions. I began to hear the words from the Lord. It was like Getting filled with the Holy Ghost was like what you would do by taking a guitar and hooking up electricity to it. It just amplified everything. I mean, everything. My salvation went to a whole new level. Reading the Bible went to a whole new level. 
everything went to a whole new level. And I had this dream one night that I was standing on a battlefield. And on this battlefield, I was with the Lord. He was next to me, and the Lord was handing me these pieces of armor. And as he handed me these pieces of armor, God, he would he look at me. And when I got the armor on the first time, he said, are you ready for this battle? I said, yes, Lord, I'm ready. And I turned to face my enemy, and it was Satan. And I overcame Satan, just like the Bible said, by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of my testimony. And that battle was not as long as the other two battles. It was the first battle I encountered in my dream. And then right after that battle, I, I saw myself standing on the battlefield once again. And I was putting on these pieces of armor. And as I did, the Lord looked at me and he said, now, are you ready for this battle? It's going to be a little harder than the one you just had. I said, Lord, if you're with me, I'll be ready. And I turned to face my enemy and it was the world and everything it had to offer. You know, the, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, you know, everything that would distract you from a devoted Christian life. And I fought that fight. And I did overcome that fight, but it was harder than the first battle. And then once more, I was standing on the battlefield, Scott, and my Lord was handing me these pieces of armor. And when he got done, he said, now this battle is going to be the hardest one you've had to face. Are you ready for it? I said, yes, Lord, I'm ready as long as you're with me. And I turned to face my opponent, and I was staring at myself. But it wasn't myself as in the good part of me. It was the flesh part of me, the, the one that was in control when God wasn't in control. It was my fleshly part. The sin nature of myself was staring back at me. And he was determined to kill me just as much as I was determined to overcome that battle and before that battle ended I woke up because that battle Scott does not end until I reach heaven now you like that dream you've heard that dream more than once I told it to you several years ago and there's a lot of things that we can learn from that battle or learn from that dream Last week, we talked about the enemies that we were facing and the importance of the armor. But as we were talking earlier this week about this next podcast, what we're doing tonight, Scott, we decided that there was something else in that dream that we really, really needed to address. And that was the actual battlefield that we were, that I was standing on with the Lord because there is a battlefield. And if we don't fight this battle on the battlefield, we will never win this war. Now, I know I've done a lot of talking, but I've set this up nicely for you. I want you to start expounding what you think the battlefield that every believer needs to be attentive to or will find themselves on sooner or later. Oh, I just, I love hearing that dream. <clears throat> to me, that's just the, that's like reading, and I'm not giving you glory, Charles, like, it was the Holy Spirit that gave you this dream to teach and all glory goes to God with it. I just, it's just like reading Gurnall or reading Pilgrim's Progress because in it is contained the Christian, the Christian journey. 
<laughs> in a nutshell. Yeah. And like you said, oh, you could pick this dream apart for, for weeks if, if we wanted to dog this dream. And that's how you kind of know when God gives you something that's just so deep and just so big and you can just eat off of that steak for weeks and weeks when he gives it to you. And like you said, without taking too much time here, because I know we need to get into it, we, we took the last podcast and we sounded the alarm that the war still going on, even though we had left it to the side because we were too busy watching Netflix or things of that nature or football games or basketball games. And I'm not saying those things are evil, but because we've let ourselves get distracted in these last days with our cell phones, our tablets, our Internet, our Facebook tongue wagging with each other that uh, we forgot there was a war, Charles. And we expounded that. We sounded the alarm. Still here. And you gave the dream for the three enemies that we are facing. But like you said, I believe the Holy Spirit stopped us and said, before you go into the pieces of the armor, let's let them know the battleground they're going to be fighting on because that's part of it too. And Charles, I think if I can just, we just dive right into it here is the battlefield of the mind. And, and I, I tell you, I don't know how else simply that you can say this other than the battlefield is in the mind. That's where it begins. That's where it's going to get started. And that's what we are going to try to endeavor to explain tonight. Would you agree? Amen. Amen. You are correct. It is the battlefield. The mind is the battlefield. That's where the decisions are made. You know, back there was a the Sermon on the Mount, a real famous Sermon on the Mount found in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. Jesus begins to address the people where it really starts because the people were given all these laws about do not commit adultery, do not commit fornication, do not uh, dishonor your mother or your father but they were not told where you have to deal with this before it becomes an issue we have so many believers today that are living in strongholds and bondages because they did not deal with the sin on the battlefield they waited until the enemy had already attacked and had pierced their armor before they dealt with it. Now, do you know as well as I do, there's this old cliche that says an unprotected weakness or an unprotected strength is a double weakness. And uh, <laughs> there might be an area in your life that you think you have no problem with, that you think there's going to be no chance that the enemy will attack you there or gain any ground. But I'm here to tell you right now, if you do not deal with the problem of sin in your mind, then it will already attach itself to you in your flesh. And then the battle will be almost too great for you to overcome. You'll end up in a stronghold or in chains of bondage that only the Lord or someone with the anointing to break the yoke could deliver you from. Does that make sense, Scott? makes perfect sense uh you know you started talking about the old how we used how we did it in the old into the new testament you know and the the old was always if if i can put it simply and help me with this but the old testament and the things that contained therein they were always outside in the world examples 
of what Jesus, when he came and set up the New Testament, that was old outside examples of what he meant inside. You remember he said, I'm going to take this old covenant of laws and, and things that are wrote on tablets of stone, and I'm going to make a new covenant with these people, and I'm going to write these laws in their hearts Man. and in their minds. Exactly. And you jump, Charles, from a, a finger carving into stone on a mountain, thou shalt not commit adultery, to when Jesus gets done with it. He says, I tell you, if you look after a woman to lust after her in your heart secretly, you've already committed adultery already. So see, this thing moved inward to the battlefield of the mind like you are building up. I'm like, absolutely. It. You are. I love what you said, where the. The fingers started carving in tablets on the hill. It said where the, the law could not succeed because of the weakness of the flesh. Mm. That Jesus, yep. in, the, in the likeness of sinful flesh and for flesh, condemned sin in the flesh. See, he had to be born and withstand this fleshly journey so that we would have a way to be redeemed. He said on the Sermon on the Mount, as I was talking about earlier, he said, Thou hast heard, do not commit adultery. But I say unto thee, if you look after a woman to lust after her, you've already committed adultery in your heart. Now, this, of course, comes up with where people make some really outrageous doctrines like if you think it you might as well do it because it's the same thing and that's a lie <laughs> yes that's yes not what the lord was saying the lord was saying that if you truly want to deal with sin it has to be done and dealt with in the heart and mind it cannot be only dealt with in the flesh if all the law is to you is a list of do's and don'ts and rules to keep then you have only religion, you do not have relationship. But in order to have relationship with Jesus, then you must deal with these sins that are ingrained in us and inside our flesh. They're already there. We're born with them in our flesh, Scott. We're born yes. with them already in our DNA. The nature of sin is already there. You ever notice you've never had to teach a kid how to lie? You never, you never had to teach. You never have to teach your kid how to back talk. It comes natural. You have to teach them how to talk right. You have to teach them how to say "ma'am" and "sir." You have to teach them how to not lie. It comes natural to them because it's in their nature to sin. And Jesus right. was telling us that all the law was was a list of rules and regulations, and they could not be kept because you must deal with the sin in the mind and in the heart of man. And that's where the problem was. I want to read a scripture I found in first Peter chapter one, Scott verse 13. And it says, wherefore gird up the loins of your mind, be sober and hope to the end of the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. See, so he says, gird up the loins of your mind, the battle is in the mind. I, there's a, there is a really well-known author, teacher, and minister named Joyce Meyer. My mother speaks very highly of her, and so does my wife, that Joyce Meyer has written a book called The Battlefield of the Mind. 
and it is one of the most well-known ones in the Christian realm. It is a bestseller and has been a bestseller for years upon years. And if you haven't read it, I recommend that you do so. Uh, Joyce Meyer does such a great job of telling you and describing you through the help of the Holy Spirit where exactly the battlefield is. And the battlefield in that dream that I have is the same battlefield that Joyce Meyer wrote about and the same one that Jesus spoke about in the Sermon on the Mount as well as in 1 Peter chapter 1. It's in your mind. The mind is where the battle takes place. I love this. I'm, I'm getting taught myself. I'm sorry. I was listening to you. I, I love the teaching. <laughs> but well, I want to give you I, opportunity I think, to comment because I still believe that you have stuff to say as well as I do, though I could talk all night long and not get tired. <laughs> just ask my wife. She thinks I can. I, I just, I'm loving the fact of what we're pushing here, which is a doctrine that is number one, biblical. I'm, we're not giving you a churchy doctrine. This is biblical. And two, it's a forgotten one, Charles, these days, because there are a lot of self-help gospels. There are a lot of humanistic gospels. And what I mean by that is they cater to the flesh. There'll be all kinds of preachers when you turn them on TV, Charles, that will pander to people's fleshly desires and say, it's okay. Just be who you are because Jesus loves you anyway. And that's the biggest bunch of poopy cock I've ever heard in my life and not biblical. We've got to deal with the sin nature and it needs to be brought back up again. You know, there's a scripture and help me quote this Charles, if I'm saying it wrong, but the flesh is enmity with God. It can never please God. It will never subject itself to the things of God. It will never bow down and do the will of God. It will always lead you astray. It is not your buddy or your friend or your pal or somebody that will help you in the middle of the night. It will. And I'm speaking from experience, Charles. I'm speaking from experience that every time that I leaned on the arm of the flesh, which be my strength, my thoughts, my way of handling things, that's when I got into the worst amount of trouble. And that's when Jesus was farthest away from me. So we need to learn how to deal with this sin nature, the battlefields in the mind. So I'll let you yeah, continue to speak. Where you said, yeah, where you were quoting from, of course, is your favorite, I believe, chapter of the Bible, Romans 8. <laughs> the flesh is the enmity with God and cannot please God, neither can do the things of God. You know, we read Romans chapter 8, but it's 6 and 7 that Paul do so well to describe his attempt to do the list of do's and don'ts. Paul was a Pharisee, let's remember. Before Paul was converted on the road to Damascus and became Paul, he was Saul of Tarsus, and he was out to destroy the Christian church. And he was a Pharisee and a, and a very staunch one, and he did his very best to keep those lists of rules and regulations. But when it came down to a soul search of his own, led by the Holy Ghost, he said in Romans 6 and 7, when he tried to do right, evil was always present. And he knew that the good part of him, and, and I want you to hear this good, I want you to hear this part with your good ears, God. He said, there was part of him that wanted to do the right thing. 
Mm-hmm. After he was born again, you know, and it says in Romans 8 that the Spirit of Christ moves in. When you're born again, the Spirit of Christ moves in and creates that new spirit in you. And he said there was part of him that wanted to do the right thing. But there was also a part of him, his flesh, that still wanted to call the shots, that still wanted to do what it wanted to do. And he was said it was a constant war that he found in his members, a constant war in his mind that he went, he went to attempt to do good. Evil was always there and the good he would do, he couldn't do and the evil that he wouldn't want to do. He found himself doing over and over and over. And he threw his hands up in the air at the end of chapter seven, Scott. And he said, who's going to deliver me from this battle, from this, this warfare, he said, it's driving me crazy. I can't live the way I want to live because the flesh is always rearing up its ugly head. Are you familiar with this battle yourself, Scott? Oh, am I all too familiar with this battle? Yes, I am. And uh, I'm thankful. Can I just insert this? I know this is not part of the outline, but since you did that, can I insert this? I'm, I'm thankful that I've finally come to the realization, Charles, that I, there is a part of me, can I, can I say it this way? There is a part of me that thinks that can wrangle the other part of me that doesn't want to do the things God wants to do. We get into that little trap. I don't know yep. if that makes any sense, but yep. there's a little part of me that fools itself thinking that I can muster up the strength to keep that old flesh, Adam, old, old man Scott in check, and it will fail every time. But I'm, I'm just so glad that we've got Romans 8, verse 1, and you're going to make me get stirred up. I think you're trying to do it on purpose. But I, you, I, I'm so glad that we've got Romans 8, 1, that says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. We've got to rely on the intimate, personal infilling. You, you just spoke about it a minute ago. The, the baptism infilling of the Holy Ghost. It's not some church doctrine. It's it's not some lay of the church down the street. It's a biblical promise for us to be endued with power from on high, so that man can be killed. I'm I'm sorry. I gotta I gotta dial this back. But no, you, you know no, what I'm saying. You're getting ahead of me, but that's okay. I'm glad we're on the I'm, right track. I'm sorry. Well, I didn't mean to. Oh, no, no. This is what's happening. We have people out there who try to live right. Here's what they run up against. They run up that vicious cycle, Scott. Mm-hmm. And I've done the vicious cycle, and if I'm not careful, I find myself trying to do it again even today. But there's a vicious cycle that every believer that's true believer, that's truly trying to live like Jesus lived. You know, the word Christian means Christ-like or little Christ. We're all supposed to be Jesus to the world that we live in. And everyone who is truly, honestly attempting to live like Jesus runs into this vicious cycle where they may do good for a while. They love the Lord. They they read their Bible. They, they go to church. They sing the songs. They do the scriptures. They, they may even fast and do all the regiments of of Christian life. And for a while they do good. They don't sin. They don't mess up. They don't fall into the trap of the enemy. But then sooner or later down the, down the line, they make that mistake 
or they begin to do the soul searching and they still find that old fleshly man or woman still in there trying to get out. And they're saying, now, I thought I crucified this. The Bible tells me to crucify the deeds of the flesh. The Bible says to crucify the old man. Why does it always seem to be coming back on me again? And they, again, may do what a good for a while and then they'll mess up. And they'll think to themselves, Scott, oh, I just need to read more Bible. I just need to pray more. I just need to memorize more scriptures. I just need to go to church a little more often. I need to get involved in church. That's what I need to do. I need to get a job in church. That's what I need to do. (laughs) And they'll do all these things, Scott, in an attempt to live like Jesus and to deaden that fleshly man. But he's still there. The old man is still lurking inside. He's still waiting for an opportunity to pounce, to get to jump up in the rear's ugly head. And uh, he wants to be the boss. He wants to call the shots. He wants to still be in charge. And we all find ourselves in this cycle. And just like Paul, he describes it in Romans 6 and 7. And there is no way to win this battle of the mind without the power of the Holy Ghost fighting that battle for you. But before we go any further, I need to do a little bit of teaching here, Scott. All righty. So if you will allow me, I'm going to go. You you mentioned old Adam, that old Adam state. You said the word yourself, and that's actually where I was going next. We're going to go all the way back to the Garden of Eden. And if you wouldn't mind, I'm going to read a few scriptures out of the first chapter of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1. And I'm going to start at verse 26. And it says, And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God made man in his own image, and in the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. So God said, let us make man in our image. So in order to explain what's going on and why the battlefield that you are uh, supposed to be or should be attempting to fight your battles against sin is the mind in order to this, to elaborate on that and explain it well, I have to go all the way back to the beginning and explain to you how we're made in the image of God. Now, I know we could get really plain and say, well, we're made in God's image because we look like God. God has a head. He has two ears. He has two eyes. He has a nose. He has a mouth. He has two arms. This is true. We are made in the image of God in the fact that we look like a spiritual being like God does. But that is a very crude way to say it and very <clears throat> one of the very least ways that we're made in his image. One of the main ways that we're made in the image of God is God is a triune being where the doctrine of the Trinity comes in. So if there are any people listening to me that are Jesus-only people, you're going to be offended because I'm a very firm believer in the doctrine of the Trinity. God is a triune being. 
he is made as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. These three are individuals, very distinct individuals, but together they make up one God. Does that make sense so far, Scott? Absolutely. I understand. Now, when God made Adam in his image, he also made Adam a triune being. Adam has a body, he had a soul or a mind, and he had a spirit. And with his spirit, he communed with God's spirit because it said they would walk together in the cool of the day. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. There is no fellowship with God outside of the spirit. So in order for Adam to have fellowship with the father, he had to have a spirit being. So Adam was made with a body. He had a physical body. He was made with a mind or, or what we would call the soul. And he also had a spirit. Now, God placed Adam and Eve in the garden and he told them of all the trees of the garden, you can eat but the tree of the knowledge of the good and evil in the midst of the garden. You shall not eat for the day you eat it, you shall die. Now, this is a very famous, very familiar story. Now, we know, Scott, that the day that Adam and Eve ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they did not fall over dead. So either that was a contradiction in the word of God or there was something else going on here that people didn't see. I think we can say the latter. That latter is true. See, what happened was is when Adam and Eve ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, their spirit man died. And the part of them that gave them the ability to fellowship with God died that day. And instead of being a triune being, Adam ended up being a man with only a body and a soul or the mind part. His spirit was no longer alive. And anyone who is not born again, and I hope everyone that's listening to me, that this is not new news to you, but it may be, this might be new news to you. It might be a doctrine you haven't heard of, but before you are born again, you only have a body and a soul or what we call the mind. You do not have a spirit man. Your spirit man is dead because like Adam, you were born with the sin nature and no spirit man alive inside of you. Now, according to Romans 8, it says that he that is born again, the spirit of Christ moves in, and that spirit that was once dead in Adam becomes alive once more. And you are then again a triune being with a body, a soul, or the mind part, and the spirit, because the spirit of Christ has renewed the spirit that Adam lost in the Garden of Eden. Now, have we caught up, Scott? Do we need to do any more explanation? Can you tell me, give me back to me what I said in a different way to the people just to make sure that I explained it as well as I could have? Well, I don't I don't know if I can, I, I can't do it better, but I will say we were uh, created in the image of God, a triune or three, let me get real crude, a three entity being, three entities, body, 
mind or soul and spirit. And that spirit could communicate with the Lord. And because we could not adhere to what God asked us not to do, and he said we'd die that day, just like you said, we didn't kill over right that moment because it was the spiritual man that passed away. We are now a dual entity, and that's the way we stay, just a mind or soul, as you would say, and a body, and we are dead. That's the reason Jesus begins to use the term when he hits the face of this earth that you must be born again, emphasis on again, emphasis on a second time. Poor Nicodemus, because I keep remembering what he said (laughs) when he said, what does that mean? I got to crawl back in my mother's womb and start over again. (laughs) No, that's not what we're saying. But when you get born again, the triune being that is you now is made whole again. Amen. Amen. Well, will that, will that do it? That did it. I, I, I sounds like I did a good job. I hope. <laughs> now, <laughs> job. That we, now that we understand what we're we're working with here, there is no battle to a sinner. A sinner doesn't have a battle. The sinner sins because it's their nature. It's like a dog's mm-hmm. instinct. A dog acts like a dog because it's its instinct. It's in its DNA. A sinner, someone who is a non-believer or not been born again, they are sinners by instinct. It's in their DNA. There is no battle. There is no battle. Once you become born again and your spirit man comes back to life, then there is a battle. And the battle is between the spirit person inside of you and the flesh person inside of you. Now, that leaves one more person to talk about, doesn't it? If the, yes. spirit, if the spirit person inside of you is made new by Jesus Christ and the flesh in you is always wanting to be in control, always wanting to be in charge, who does that leave, Scott? That leaves the mind to uh, run interference. Could you say it that way? The mind or the soul, the soul part of the person. You see, I feel led to say this too regarding the, the, the doctrine of the duality of man versus the triune being of a man that's been born again. When you are not born again, all you possess is a body and a soul and a mind. Now, when you die, your body dies and goes back into the ground as, as it came from the ground. So it returns ashes to ashes and dust to dust. That's what the word of God says. However, the soul, because God breathed into Adam the breath of life, and Adam became a living soul or a mind, that soul is going to live somewhere for eternity, whether it is an unbeliever's soul or a believer's soul. Now, if you are an unbeliever, your soul will live in eternity without God. But if you are born again and you have a spirit man, then your spirit man and your soul will be reunited with a brand new glorified body and you will live with the Lord forever. Praise the Lord. That's good news. Amen. Amen. Now, if you have a body and a soul and a spirit, then the battlefield is your mind or your soul. And that is the control station. That is what makes up your decisions. With your mind, you make up whether you're going to be born again or not. With your mind, 
You make up whether you believe what the word of God says or not. Your flesh is always going to rebel against the things of God. Your spirit is always going to be pulling for the things of God. But it is your mind that makes the difference, that makes the decision on which one of those two wins. And that's what we're talking about tonight, Scott, is the battlefield of the mind. And I believe I took enough time and I believe I've done the best I could to explain the battlefield of the mind. I absolutely agree. I don't think you can get any plainer than that. I'm sure there's probably quite a few people that have never even looked at it that way. Um, thank you for that teaching. And this is why that it's so important what we're trying to teach you that you take it, that you not only be a hearer of what we're saying, good podcast guys. And you go back and do what you were doing before as if you heard nothing, but you've got to be taking what the Lord is saying. It's not what we're saying. It's what the Lord is saying here. You remind me, I've told this once before, Charles, you, but you remind me as you set up the triune being that there was a fellow who once told the story. I've said this once before on this podcast. I'll say it one more time, but there was this preacher who was preaching a message one day in church. Young person had come in and sit down and never heard the gospel before. He was unsaved. The preacher gave that message and invitation that morning and the fellow came up and received the call, Charles and the dual man that was that guy now became triune again brand new born again they didn't see him for two or three weeks didn't come to church didn't know what was going on one day he meets him in town walking on the street stops him and says my brother i haven't seen you in such a long time how are you doing and you could tell on the man's face charles that he was troubled he was stressed he was perplexed and he said, Pastor, I'll just be honest with you, I really don't know. He said, I, I've, ever since I went to your church and ever since that I got right, it's been like there's been a warfare inside me the whole time. And he said, it feels just like two dogs, two great big old husky dogs fighting each other all the time. Well, that pastor stepped back a little bit, never heard them like that before. And he goes, wow, so which one wins? And the guy said, well, the one that I feed the most is usually the one that wins. The battlefield of the mind. <laughs> the battlefield of the mind. Charles, we, like you said before, I, I don't want to step over what you've already reiterated, but it's, it begins in the mind, the temptations, the, the, you know, we've all felt it. I don't know why anybody would sit here on this podcast and say, wow, I've never heard anything like this before maybe you've never heard the words spoken in that manner but you felt what we're talking about how many times did you get up on a sunday morning and you just didn't want to go to church and there was just something there gnawing at you just lay in bed you you deserve it you've worked hard all week you don't need to read the word go ahead and binge watch that netflix episode you deserved it you worked hard instead of praying god will understand and it's it's those in that battlefield Charles, it's not that we feel the temptation where we sin or where God gets angry at us or where we, we run afoul. That's, that's not the deal. It's what we decide to do or who, which dog we decide to feed in that battlefield that wins. 
that's where that's what we're trying to get across. I know that's a crude way. Maybe you can put it better than me, but that's a crude way we were trying to say. No, no, I think you were doing a wonderful job. Matter of fact, I felt the leading of the Holy Spirit to say this is where it's going now that I've I've done a lot of the teaching. It's time to come down to brass tacks and start talking about the battlefield. Uh, people must understand that every day is a day where you have to make up your mind. There's that phrase again. When we say things or when you hear things like make up your mind, Today, if you will make up your mind, today in your hearts, if you would say, I'm going to follow him, you are making a conscious decision to make up your mind to follow Christ. This is the battlefield because your flesh is always going to say, let's do our own thing. Just like Scott was saying, let's stay in the bed. Let's go play golf. Let's take a break. Let's have the day to ourselves. Let's not get up early and seek the Lord. Let's lay in the bed a little bit longer. These are things that the flesh wants to do. But then your spirit man wants to do the right thing. Remember how when Jesus spoke to the three disciples in the garden of Gethsemane, he said the flesh, he said the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. The spirit is always willing to do the right thing. That's Paul, what Paul was describing in chapter six and seven of Romans. His spirit man always wanted to follow the ways of the Lord, but his fleshly man always wanted to do its own thing. And it was his mind that was in constant battle on which one wins the battle. It's whatever you fill your mind up with. I like the way you said it. Whatever dog I feed the most is the one that has the greatest influence. Mm -hmm. and if you place in your mind all week long the things of God, then when it comes time to face those temptations, and there's nothing wrong with being tempted. Being tempted means that you're in the battlefield of the mind, that that's what's going on. Temptation. That's not the sin. No, that's not the sin. The temptation is the fiery dart of the wicked one being thrown at you. Now, what you do with that temptation, that's the battlefield. And we're trying to teach you by placing on the armor of God, you're in, you are placing upon your mind the armor that it takes to withstand those temptations or those fiery darts so that you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh that you won't let the flesh have dominion that you won't let the flesh man make the decision for you but you'll let your spirit man make the decision that it'll be your spirit man that says i want to go up higher and go closer to jesus and there's always going to be that battle and just like my dream that battle will never stop until you reach heaven because when you reach heaven, then that which is corruptible will put on incorruption, like Paul said. And that fleshly man will be done away with, and you will get a brand new body, a brand new soul, brand new spirit. Everything will be new, and it will be whole, and it will be clean. And you will be able to serve God the way that he intended Adam to serve him all the way back in the Garden of Eden. Scott, I want you to say a little bit here because I believe it's time for you to minister <laughs> what we're talking about in this world. I, I'm just enjoying it because 
praise God in one way, and it's so sad in another that we don't get this kind of teaching anymore, Charles, coming in our churches. But I'll tell you something that I like also about your dream, and I don't think I've ever told you this. But what I like a lot about your dream is that it starts with you putting on the armor. You notice that it doesn't start in that dream with you or the Lord coming to you saying, hey, would you like to fight or not? It's up to you if you want. You know why I believe that your dream starts the way it does? Because we're trying to get the people. I think I got to take off the coddle and the swaddling cloth and stop babying for a minute. But I'm saying it in love that what we've got to get these people to understand, Charles, is they are in the war. There's there's not a choice or an option here to, to say, ah, I don't want to fight. Oh, uh, no, I don't I don't want that religion. You see, you can push God off and say that you came from monkeys all you want. But on the other side, there is a devil that is loose. Your flesh, which is not your friend, the world, which wants to entice you, that's out to destroy you, to take your money, to take your children, to take your life. And just like Charles said, get your soul. That's the ultimate goal here. Your soul if I can, if I may reiterate, your soul's going to spend eternity in one of two places, right. hell or heaven. The, the, the sad thing about this, Charles, is this war is raging, and the Bible teaches that hell swells every day to enlarge itself to encompass the people falling in there because they refuse to fight. We've got to get these people to understand this battlefield of the mind you're involved in the war. You can't opt out. You don't get to run to Canada. This ain't like Vietnam. You don't get to run to Canada. You have got to stand and fight. And I encourage you, and I know Charles does, for you to make the right decision to be on the winning side, which is the side of Jesus, because he's got all the benefits and all the power and all the armor that you need to withstand. That's that's how I would cap <laughs> this this teaching right here. Uh, and you did a wonderful job. And I, I'm going to wrap it up here, and then I'm going to ask you to pray, Scott. But the Bible Jesus was talking about, and we go back to, again, the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5, 6, and 7, he said, No man can serve two masters. Did you notice there's two masters here? Mm -hmm. There's the flesh master and there's the spirit master. No one can serve two masters. You will either love the one and cling to the other, or you will cling to one and hate the other. In other words, you will always love the flesh more than the spirit, or you will allow the spirit to conquer the, to overcome the flesh. And that decision is made in the mind. Jesus said, you must choose which one of these masters that you will allow dominion over your life. And this choice is not just a one-time choice. You battle this every day. Every day you get up is a new battle. A new That's what we said last week. Every day is a new battle. And you must decide, am I going to allow the flesh to rule this day, or am I going to allow the spirit to rule this day? Now, we're going to give you the key to the armor, coming up in the, in the, in the next podcasts uh, to follow about the armor of God, but you have to decide and you have to realize the battlefield of your soul is in the mind and the mind is where you make the decision which one of these masters 
has dominion or has to claim over your life. And Scott, I want you to pray for us, pray for yourself, pray for me, pray for everyone listening that we will take this battle seriously. Once again, that's the word today that we will realize that the battle is done in the mind, that the temptation is not the sin. It is what we do with that temptation. Do we allow it to play in our hearts, to play in our minds? Scott, I got some, I got some homework I want the people to do. Alrighty. There's an old, old newsletter that I read so many years ago from a a dear, dear minister and evangelist and prophet that's no longer with us, David Wilkerson. He was the pastor of Times Square Church, and he was the founder of World Challenge Ministries. And he wrote a newsletter called Hatching Snake Eggs. Mm. I remember and, this. Uh, the snake eggs were eggs that the enemy would lay in the minds of the person. And if that person would incubate that egg, it would hatch into snakes that would crawl up and down in that person's mind. And I want everyone that's listening to look up that newsletter. You can find it. It'll be online somewhere. Hatching snake eggs and read that newsletter. And it will be an eye-opener about how the enemy uses your mind as his battlefield, as his battleground to get strongholds built in your life. But as we close out this, Scott, say a prayer for us that we will all take this battle seriously over our minds. Father, we come to you once again, and we thank you for this word that you have revealed in us and in front of the people tonight lord we pray that we're not only just hearers as james described but we are doers of this word god i ask that for me for charles for everyone that clicks on this podcast and listens to it that you place in us an urgency a seriousness to take it serious that we are in a war for our souls it doesn't matter. Lord, help us not to cling to idols that we have created to get, get strength from. And what I mean by that, Lord, is I don't want us to find support just because we went to church 30 years or because we've taught Sunday school 10. Lord, I don't want us to hide behind the things that we have done as a means of we're going to make it to heaven. Lord, help us to take this battle serious. Open our eyes. Let us see that there's a warfare going on. God, I know that's a dangerous prayer, but let us see that there's a warfare going on. Give us the sensitivity to realize that in our mind, there's two dogs fighting. Lord, help us that we get on your side in this mind battle. Lord, help us to hear your word. Help us to get a new desire to read your word because, God, we can't even trust our own mind. Help us to get a desire to read your word so that we know which way to turn and know which way to go. God, we, we really believe these are the last of the last days, and I pray that this seriousness burn as a fire in all our hearts tonight. God, we'll give you the praise. We thank you once again for showing up, for giving us this word. Help us, Lord, to do this. In Jesus' name I pray, and amen. Amen.